0: From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. Ahmed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. In 2010, David Upeggy left a research job at Brown University to become a science teacher at his alma mater, Central Falls High School. That work has won numerous awards, including the Presidential Award for Excellence in Mathematics and Science Teaching. He's also a member of the 2022 Class of PBS Digital Innovator All-Stars. He joins us to talk about how he's rethinking science education and how teachers can empower their students. That's after a quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with David Upeghi, a science educator and a PBS Digital Innovator All-Star. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. There's so much to talk about, but let's start with an explanation of the PBS Digital Innovator All-Star program. What is it and what does it allow you to do? The program itself
1: afforded me the opportunity to meet with other innovators around the country. And within the larger group, I'm working with four of them in... a a sort of collection of lessons that relate to social justice. So each of us were selected by the PBS stations that are local to us. And we were selected because of our ability to be innovative. I'm a firm believer that the role of the educator has changed since the advent of the internet Uh, We all have these computers in our pockets that can look up anything we want, so it's really of no use to memorize, you know, how much hydrogen fusions every second in the sun, or to memorize the distance from here to the moon, or unless you're using it on a regular basis, the steps of the Krebs cycles are really not as important as conceptually understanding these processes, being able to figure out patterns, being able to make sense of data that's out there. So discerning the real from the from the fake. Our role as educators really is to empower students to recognize that the world needs their talents. And, and PBS, um, uh, through their media platform and through their programs, have allowed me to, to touch on some of that.
0: Are you making videos, content for PBS? What What comes out of it?
1: Yeah, one of the things that I am doing is I'm writing uh, lessons or activities that go with it. The other thing that's really important is what my students are doing. For example, last year, my students uh, were able to create videos. So PBS sent us the ring, you know, that lighting ring, so that they can use their phones to record themselves. And they had a a microphone so that they interviewed other students. And it was a response to the Ben Franklin uh, series that they had. Part of what my students did is they went around the school and asked other students, was Ben Franklin. At the very end, one of them said, well, I learned a little bit about Ben Franklin and Ben Franklin is definitely one of the most important historical figures in our country. And he presents some dichotomies because he was a slave owner and he promised his slaves freedom, but he didn't give it to them until he died. And so there is this human being who wrote just some of the most beautiful and important components of our foundations as a country. All men are created equal. This sort of beautiful idea. You don't have to prove to anybody that you are important, that that you have the freedom to be free. And at the same time, he's saying these things, he's writing these things, he's believing these things, but not for African-Americans, not not for the people that were kidnapped and enslaved. And so in many ways, Ben Franklin, as many of, of our historical figures, they present this dichotomy, and my students were able to dive into that because they themselves see how they're Americans in some aspects, and in other aspects, they're they're not as American as others. Even though they were born in this country, even if their parents were born in this country, they're treated differently because of their skin color, because of their last names, because of the way they dress. And so they're able to see these things and in that process, understand why they need their voice to be heard. In
0: 2010, you had a research job at Brown University. What made you leave an Ivy League college to teach science in the high school you attended as a child?
1: Yeah, that was a a huge shift for me. The seeds for that began when my, my first child was born. So my oldest boy, his name is Isaac, and he was born with Down syndrome on April of 2004. And understanding my role with him and understanding my trajectory as an academic and as a professional, began by encompassing the love that I had for him and, and knowing my own ignorance. It was his birth that really was the impetus for me looking into education as a, as a possible career. Hmm. I, I knew that educators have tremendous power. I knew what they had done for me, the mentors and the people that, that told me that I was smart, that I was capable, the people that, that encouraged me to do more than what I, that society, as a whole, imagine a kid from Central Falls, an immigrant from Central Falls could do. Those people were pivotal in my own development and I wanted to do the same for others. And then I left the job because in 2010, every high school teacher in Central Falls was fired. Interestingly, I was sitting in my office here, right down the street here, 121 South Main Street, overlooking of Providence where one of my walls was windows. As the news came out, I had a quote from Gandhi in my desk that I've, I still keep in my room and it says, one must stand up for one's convictions. Inaction at a time of conflagration is inexcusable. Wow. And there it was, great fire in Central Falls. Everybody literally got fired, regardless of who they were. It was just a, a, a really significant and painful experience for those teachers. There are still teachers that are there from that time. and world-class teachers like Dr. Dolores Grant, who is just unbelievable. And I can't imagine what it must have been like for her to be called out and fired simply because she was an employee there. Not because of her performance, but everybody, a mask, got fired. and
0: Dr. Dolores Grant, the sister of uh, Viola Davis, Viola Davis yes. right? Yeah, You've talked about how you had one special teacher who helped give you direction and purpose. Tell us about that teacher.
1: There was several of them. Okay. Uh, in high school, there was certainly uh, one man who had dedicated himself to helping those of us that uh, were deemed college material to actually attain that. His name is Robin Yates and I didn't even actually have him as a teacher. Somebody had told him about me and he would gather us and he would give us books to read during the summer and he made us write and I thought man like I got nothing better to do than write but he was right. We were not competing against the kids from Central Falls we were competing against the kids from the whole state and he kept saying look everybody else is reading these things you're not You're not reading, you're not writing, you're not doing the things that are going to allow you to be successful in college. And when I got to college, I remember very clearly taking my first writing class. And I remember, you know, being all state wrestler and all academic and all of that. And I get to college, my first writing paper, I got a D. Mm. And I thought, good Lord, this is terrible. And I'm going to tell you something that sounds even worse. My initial reaction was, this woman is racist. Because obviously, I write better than this. And I remember going to see a woman named Dr. Reddy at Rhode Island mm. College. And when she opened the door, I looked at the pictures on the wall. And she was married to a black man. And she had mulatto kids. <laughs> so I thought, that's not racism, is it? Uh, I must be, it must be something else. And I remember telling her, Dr. Reddy, I'm, I'm an A student. And she said, David, you're an A student, but you're a D writer. Hmm. but we're going to work on that. And so she really helped me to to hone in my, my writing. And uh, that first semester, I ended up with a C C+. <laughs> wow, so yeah. It was tough, but um, when I first published, uh, the first book I published, I remember going back, and the first person I went to see was Dr. Rady. So I understand that you call your students by their last names. Why do you do that? This is something that... Um, And so this is what happened, I forgot to mention. After Dr. Reddy, one of the professors in college that really uh, looked after me and who really encouraged me was Dr. Lloyd Matsumoto at Rhode Island College. And similar to Robin Yates in high school, Dr. Matsumoto really thought that I had more to offer than what I was giving myself credit for. So Dr. Matsumoto was a person that sort of initiated that idea for me. And and that is, I wanted to make sure that they understand that I'm seeing much more than than what they are in front of me. They're not just Jennifer. They're not just Aileen. They're not just Monse. They are, in fact much more. I see their future in front of them. I know what it takes to get to the places where they need to be. So I see them as the physicians or the nurses or the lawyers or the politicians or the engineers, whatever they're going to become, I see them as that. And so it's a, it's a sign of respect for me to remind them that, look, the world has been waiting for you. No one in the world is you except for you. There's eight billion people and no one has the genetic and the experiential background that you have. So you have something unique to offer to the world and your voice is needed. And so that's, it's sort of a way to encouraging them I to understand that when I'm looking at them, it's not just a 17 year old kid. It's someone that society needs for their talents.
0: Yeah, you've said that you work to give your students a sense of dignity and empowerment and your PhD in education focus on social justice. How do you do all of that in an AP bio class? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Let me give you an example. On, on After the midterm exam for the class, I had the students write a seven-minute free form, how are you feeling about the AP exam? And when I went home, I was choking up because some of them still have a very strong negative sense of who they are. Mm. They don't feel like, like they're smart, that they're capable, that they're worthy, and that they belong. And so what I did last Monday when we started class for the new quarter, is I decided to do a lesson that only peripherally relates to AP Biology, and that is, who are we? Hmm. And so I had them talk about themselves, describe their own identity, and I had them write on a private piece of paper five things they liked about themselves. And for some of the students, it was hard. And then what I did is I stopped and I said, look, you have to go back to biology. Whether you know it or not, your DNA is a DNA of a survivor, right? You are a child of somebody who survived long enough to have you, and if you go back all the way three and a half billion years ago, that DNA of the first prokaryotic cell, that Luca, the last universal common ancestor, that DNA is still in you. It's changed for three and a half billion years, but you have the DNA of survivors, of someone who's faced challenges before. Inside of your cells is the DNA of a winner. And how do we turn it into that? How do I get my kids to see that and appreciate that? I gave them a mirror and I had them repeat just some simple phrases like, I can do challenging things. Like, this is how I learn. And si se puede. And I got this. And I literally had a room full of kids screaming in the mirror, I can do this. Yes, you can. And so part of it is how do we take the ability for them to see that biology and science and society is not done. If everything that was in a book was all there was to know about biology, then you would never have a new edition of a book. It would just be biology, one, and that was it, right? But every so often, publishers come up with new versions of it because we're finding information, and my students can be part of that, that discovery process. Science, by nature, is democratic, and it requires different ideas, different thoughts, different players. And that's what I want them to know, that the world has been waiting for them to become players.
0: When I interviewed you back in 2021, it was about the need for a new Central Falls High School. Where do things stand now for plans for a new building?
1: We're still in the, in the waiting stage. Uh, we've been asked our input about possible parts of the high school and components, but um, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. That's why I, I'm I mean, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm just hesitant to be too excited.
0: Yeah, I came to your classroom that day and you showed me a picture of you as a student in the same spot back in 1993 as a student. And you said nothing has changed. So um, tell me about the conditions. Yeah,
1: literally nothing has changed. If you go to my classroom 30 years ago when I was this high school student, there's still holes in the ceiling, you know, lab tables that have been untouched. So there's no water, there's no running water, there's no no way to run gas there's no you know the lighting is equally bad i mean it's a decrepit building it's been untouched for uh, probably you know 60 years even though I try to make my classroom as welcoming as I possibly can. So the walls in my classroom were painted by my students and I, and even with all of that, I bought curtains, I painted. I, there, are, there are things I cannot change. I cannot change the ceiling. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too, I cannot change the fact that water doesn't run in my classroom. I, those are things that are, that are beyond anything that I could do, it's not cosmetic.
0: How do we need to rethink the way we educate students in public schools, especially in places like Central Falls? Well, one of the things we need to
1: understand is that a mediocre teacher in most schools in Rhode Island would be okay. A mediocre teacher in Central Falls is doing harm. We need to have teachers that are elevating our students. I firmly believe that teachers that are dispassionate should go, and we should be helping them. I, I'm not a person who—I you know, could never be like a union rep because they would hate me because there were times where I would just, look, I'm here for the kids. I'm not really caring about you know other teachers. But at the same time, teachers need to be developed so that— those teachers that have the, the disposition and the desire to get better can get better. And so there are ways to do that. I, I think part of it is the teachers, part of it is the building, part of it is the structures. So don't have classes like like I have, where AP Biology. I have one class of 27 kids. I had 30 last year where my friend who does the same class at Barrington High School has 15 kids. Hmm. My own son, who goes to North Providence High School, had eight kids in his AP biology class. I had 28 wow. at the same time. So you create this structure where how can I possibly give to 28 kids the same amount of structure and, and focus and energy as my son got when, you know, when they wrote an essay, his teacher was reading eight essays. When my kids write, there were 28 of them. So one thing again is the quality of the the human capital, but in other words, the structures. And the physical structure is one of them, the technology structure is one of them, and definitely the the size of the class, all of those things play a role. When a kid walks into my school and it hasn't been touched for 60 years, what does that tell them? What is the image that they get in their mind? What are they being told as opposed to, hey, well, this guy goes one and a half miles down the street and they get a brand new building and they get smaller classes. It's not that the students are any different, but the structures are different.
0: Last question, if you were to give one piece of advice to teachers in schools like yours, where classrooms lack resources and students face economic challenges, what would you tell them?
1: I would want teachers to remember that what we do is not frivolous and it's not superficial. Swami Yogatmananda from the Vedanta Center once told me that science is just the bridge, is the conduit. But what we're really doing as teachers is we're looking at another human being and letting them know that they belong, that they are important, that they matter. And so through science or whatever subject you're teaching, you are empowering the students to take their rightful place in society. And so to look at it, not just as a job or even as a career, but really as a calling. What you're doing is you're helping another human being to fulfill their destiny. How amazing is that, that every day we get a chance to stand in front of these kids and and remind them that they're amazing, that they're powerful, that they are, in fact, the, the future stewards of the world.
0: David Peggy, thanks for joining us today, and thank you for the work you're doing in Central Falls.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. And if you like the podcast, do us a favor, follow the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.